Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. and you're listening to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show where we try to help residential investors move on into commercial property world. If you haven't listened to the show before, we have a mix of episodes covering a wide range of commercial property topics. Now, you may know that my personal favourite is CMO, Commercial Multiple Occupancy Buildings. And why do I love them so much? Well, there's lots of answers to that question, including things like tax incentives, opportunities for creativity, adding value, pooled resources under one roof, and the list goes on and on. Many of these I've discussed in previous podcasts, but one of the most exciting reasons for being involved in multi-let property is the opportunity for multiple income streams. Some, of course, would say, well, with a multi-let property, you're going to have multiple income streams because you've got multiple clients paying multiple rents. And yes, that is true. But I'm not just talking about multiple tenants paying lots of different rentals, which in itself is great. So, for example, if you have, say, 15 units in a large industrial building, then you're potentially going to have 15 different income streams. But I'm not talking about rental income streams. I'm talking about all the other potential income streams. In fact, with our CMO properties, I've counted out over 20 different income streams that we have experienced. Rental income for let space is just one on that list. So, how would you like to have another 9 or 10 income streams from a single property? Today I'm going to share 10 of those 20 that we currently have from our multi-let properties, plus one more super simple bonus at the end of the episode, which has earned our company thousands of pounds of income over the years, so listen out for that one later. As I say, I've actually jotted down over 20, which we've benefited from, but to keep the episode short and impactful, I'm going to just share 10 with you right now. The big thing here to remember is if you're going to become an active investor, then many more of these income streams open up to you. If you wish to remain a passive investor, you just have to remember to view each opportunity with the right set of lenses. This is one of the reasons why with CMO or multi-let properties, becoming an operator as well as an investor allows you to tap into more of that income. But of course, it does mean more effort. You've got to find the balance. And remember, you have to think about your potential exit from the day-to-day activity at some point. And in the words of Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. Try not to lose sight of what you started to build your property and business portfolio for. And you might have to think about the implications of what you're taking on today for the long term. But if you can see today as a stepping stone to get to that long term, then by all means go ahead. But before we dive in, it's important to point out I didn't have all these on my blueprint on day one. I would have had maybe two or three of these different income streams in mind, but over time I've built up this list of opportunities. 
And they've come from observing others, other operators, listening to customers, of course, which is obviously one of the great sources of ideas, and trying to view property and even individual buildings rather than just as a rental property. It's just a bit of a mind shift. I'm sure there are lots of other income streams, of course, that people are achieving that I haven't thought of and haven't done yet. But I'm going to cover the ones that we've achieved, rather than perhaps different strategies that others have done but have no experience because I really want to remain authentic on the podcast. And in order to do this, I'll bring in experts who have experience in different sectors so we can discuss lots of different topics, ones that I have limited experience in or no experience in. But just because my experience is limited doesn't mean the knowledge shared with listeners has to be limited. We have a few great interviews lined up, by the way, so make sure you stay tuned for those. So let's dive in. See how many of these you're using, if you have a multi-let property, or how many you've thought of. Now the first one goes without saying, we have to mention it, it's rental income. And this is number one. And it's to multiple clients. So we have multiple incomes coming through there. And yes, I appreciate that. But that's really just the number one on the list because it's really going to be your biggest income stream, or certainly should be. The second one, though, is meeting rooms. So meeting room bookings, which could be from internal customers or external customers. Now, we learned this fairly early on, of course. Meeting rooms was pretty obvious. It was another use for a space. It may not bring in the rental income, but can it bring in additional income through being hired out by the hour, by the half day, by the full day, by the week? Sometimes we've had bookings for meeting rooms that have been a month long. Of course, there's always that thing about, does a meeting room bring in more revenue than it would as a rental? And really, it should. But there is the slightly less tangible bit, which is when you're showing or viewing your building with potential customers, having meeting rooms does add value to the overall mix. So there is a slightly less tangible income stream you have to think about there, which is the overall increase you could maybe put into the offer because you've got these meeting rooms. But anyway, it's a secondary income stream. Sometimes it can be a very good income stream. The third one was the internet provision. Now, we could do a whole podcast on this. And this is whether, of course, it's through Wi-Fi or hardwired through Cat5 or Cat6 cabling, structured cabling, as it's called in the industry. And there's loads of different subsections of income streams you could do through internet provision because actually some businesses are really specialised in what they need. So if you're just talking about a co-work with a few different um, solopreneurs or those that are just offering um, service-based businesses, they might not need too much internet connectivity. Security will be important, but it might not be absolutely critical that they have, for instance, a VPN, their own particular network they need to access anywhere in the world. There's lots of different things. They might want a static IP. They may not want a static IP, and so on. So through internet provision, by pooling um, the resources of lots of different customers, you can bring in really hefty internet provisions. So, for instance, um, on one of our sites, we installed a gigabit line recently. So it's a thousand megabits a second. It's a pretty fast line. And I know there's faster lines. But because, and that's not cheap, by the way, but because there's lots of different customers using it, and some of them just using the basics, some of them using dedicated internet access, there's lots of different ways of stripping that one down. Now, it is becoming more commodity, but at the specialised end, there are some really important things that uh, customers ask for that you need to be aware of. And you probably need a partner, certainly we have a partner, to help us 
split it up and make sure that it works in particular ways for different customers. Anyway, the next one, the fourth one, was about telephone lines and call provision. Now, this is changing and evolving, and when we first started out, we just popped in a few BT or British Telecom lines, and we put in a wee phone system with handsets and everything, and it recorded, or it was a recorder on that recorded the calls, not the actual calls, we didn't record the voice calls, but the length of calls, where they were to, and it had a pricing structure so that we knew what to charge our customers. And there would be an income perhaps for the phone handset itself, and then there would be an income coming from the actual calls. And that just helped balance out. So if there were some customers not really using much phone access, then at least they were contributing towards the rental of the handset, which was helping towards the, the overall cost of all the lines you have to put in. Because you don't just put in one or two, do you? If you've got 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 customers using your infrastructure, you need to have capacity there so that a large proportion of them can all be online at the same time. Anyway, it's changing and evolving. And we've moved from those landlines and um, analog systems to digital systems to SIP trunks to IP phones, which is internet protocol. So basically the phone systems now work, or a lot of them work, over broadband, over the internet. And it's brought some great advantages and great opportunities to allow customers to use handsets in different parts of the world, to be able to contact each other on a local network basis. It does reduce costs, but it has become, again, slightly more commodity and slightly more difficult to differentiate for different customers. So what we've started to do really is, is move from, as I say, the landlines to the SIP trunks from hardware on site, which we spent thousands of pounds on, to cloud-based systems where there is no hardware on site other than perhaps a handset. And even then, sometimes people use their computer or laptop and a set of headphones. And moving over to bundles. So people effectively have a bundle of um, minutes that they can use, both international perhaps, mobile, landline, all that sort of stuff. So it might be that because you're buying lots of it, you can get it for, let's say, £10 a month and you sell the bundle out for maybe £20 a month. Not huge money, but there's a way they're still making a turn with telephone lines and call provision. The next one on the list that I have is mailing addresses or virtual offices. Now, there are some locations that people really would like to have an office but maybe can't afford it. And what they would do is they would, they do still, is they would take what's called a virtual office. So they wouldn't actually have a physical space, but they would pay to use the address, they would pay, pay for mailing use, uh, mailing collection, maybe forwarding, I'm gonna come into that in a second, and maybe some meeting room usage, or perhaps even a business lounge membership. But the rules from HMRC in the UK, the money laundering, means actually it's quite tight around how you provide virtual offices and mailing addresses. So we've actually preclude, we don't do that anymore. But I know there are some premises that do it and they do it really, really well. So it's something to look at, but you must be aware of your responsibilities and not just yours, but your staff as well. So we've pulled away from that one. But it is something you, you can look at as a, as a really good revenue source if you decide to go into it. But go into it properly. Don't just dabble with it. And I know there's lots of locations out there that still offer virtual offices and aren't actually aware of their obligations. Unfortunately, there are some hefty fines on these things. So be aware of that. The sixth one is 
internal individual storage units or even lockers. And that's usually for those that don't have private space. So they come, they use your, your premises fairly regularly and they don't want to keep carrying all their stuff. So what do they do? Well, they can either carry it or perhaps pay a fee to have a space which they keep their stuff in. So it doesn't mean that they're using the whole office or a big giant space. They've just got perhaps a laptop, a few other bits and pieces that they need on site in a storage unit. It's just another little additional income stream. The next one, the seventh one on my list here, one that we've been benefiting from for quite a while now, is generating power or heat on site. So solar panel income. Uh, we also have um, biomass boilers on our sites. And these things will either save you money or perhaps even provide you with an additional income stream. And our solar panels, we, we need to increase the number we have. We've got a 10 kilowatt display on one of our buildings, but we've got quite a lot of um, flat roofed areas that we need to start installing more of the solar panel arrays. And as these things get more and more efficient, although the sort of financial incentives are less, but the actual uh, return on your or your ROI and the return of your initial capital is much quicker these days. It's definitely worth looking into. Of course, there's planning and other things, depends what type of building you've got and all that sort of stuff. The eighth one is cafe space or food and bev. So we've tried vending machines. Um, this is from the point of view of income, right? That's what we're talking about here, not necessarily customer service. So vending machines work in some of our properties because a cafe or a live space doesn't. But I've never managed to find a vending company that is willing to provide you with a kind of a return on them bringing in their vending machine and earning an income from your customer base. I haven't managed to do that yet. There may be some out there that do it. Obviously, you've got an opportunity to maybe do it yourself, but that's a whole heap of hassle. But the other one is potentially cafe space. And as I've mentioned before, we've got a restaurant in one of our buildings. Um, we will look at providing more food and bathe in other locations. And it could be that that is just a straightforward letting. You might own it all yourself. You might do a joint venture. You might do a concession. But it can definitely add value and add an income stream for you and add value to your customer. The ninth one I've got on our list is business lounge memberships. So let me just go into that for a second. If you have some areas that are more like breakout spaces, and increasingly that's becoming more popular and, and um, it's a great differentiator from some of your competition that's maybe more traditional space. But sometimes these breakout spaces on their own don't necessarily make an income, but there are ways of perhaps generating an income. So if they're of a certain size, you might be able to create a business lounge in that breakout space so that you can sell memberships of the breakout space itself. So it's not necessarily a co-work. This is different. A co-work tends to be um, a much more, um, well, it is focused on co-workers and on those particular customers. The business lounge is a bit more based around the overall occupants of your building. And it's kind of, as I say, a breakout space. And you could sell memberships to that space. And they could be monthly memberships. They could be weekly. And of course, and I've, and I've written this into this section really to discuss here, day passes. We, we've been selling quite a lot of day passes recently where people come into the location where our property is. They need a, a great space to work in for a day or a week. And that's what they do. They just buy use of the space on a day-to-day -day basis. And if you have those 
larger breakout spaces you can maybe create more of a business lounge, then you have the opportunity to sell day passes too. It's another income stream. Of course, it needs somebody to manage it. So there is a quid pro quo here where you may have an extra income stream from providing that space and those types of memberships, but you're going to have to have somebody to facilitate that. And it's not just the wage, it's all the other stuff that comes with that, of course, and I appreciate that. The last one, which also kind of tags a little bit into the business lounge thing, is venue space. So we've, and, and I mentioned it there, all of these we've done, and venue space for events could be in your business lounge. It could be in um, perhaps your co-work. It could be in your meeting room spaces. It could be in your entrance area. It depends on the design and the layout of your property. But are there some nooks and crannies, bigger spaces, or spaces that could double up to provide a venue for events. Now, I'm not talking about a, a, an all-night rave, <laughs> but things where somebody might want to come in and do a product launch. They might be, they might have opened a new office with you and they want to bring in their customer base and show them this new space that they're in so that the customers and, of course, potential customers get to know them more. You can provide those spaces. You could maybe even provide the whole shebang from um, the drinks, the food and bev, the music. We've had pop-up bars. We've had different vans and things delivering food or making food. We've obviously done things in our own restaurant space. There's lots of different ways of running those and creating an income stream from them. And of course, it doesn't just focus on internal customers. It could be external customers. And interestingly, on the meeting room stuff, doesn't have to be a vanilla product. Your focus doesn't have to be on, I'm going to create an amazing technology-driven space that's got all the latest mod cons. You don't need to plug anything in. It all works together harmoniously, which is difficult sometimes. Um, and so that when the customer comes in, it's all tech-driven. It's just fab. Actually, Sometimes people want quirky meeting room space. Sometimes they've got a meeting that isn't necessarily a one-to-one -one or a boardroom meeting. It's maybe a team building thing or uh, they've got team members, particularly the way the climate, of course, has changed. They've got team members dotted around all over the place and every now and then they want to bring them all together into one location to obviously discuss business and do reviews and all that sort of thing. And they might need a multifaceted venue space to do that in order to carry out some quiet one-to-ones, carry out maybe more presentations and main event, all that sort of stuff. And you could provide that if you have those different types of spaces. But the trick here is making sure those spaces also generate money through perhaps memberships um, and other events or meeting rooms so that you, through design often, but you can create spaces that will give you multiple income streams in of themselves. So that's the whole venue space thing. Now, you may decide with your business model to roll out a lot of these income streams or services into your service bundle. So the customer doesn't do a pick and mix because I've listed 10 there and each of them could be invoiced separately. Or some venues think, no, no, I'm not going to do that. My main marketing sell here is that everything's included. Well, that's fine. But some customers don't want everything. And they will say to you, I don't want everything. How much is the cheaper option? Um, so you have to be aware of that. And as I say, others will separate them out completely. So every single thing that you as a customer require or request has an invoice. Now, some people get really cheesed off about that. 
Okay, so it's really important that whatever way you do it, you set out the expectation from the start. Don't introduce these charges by stealth tactics. That's just going to annoy customers. And there's some in the industry that are well known for that. And customers get very frustrated about that. So you need to be um, transparent and you need to be upfront when you're showing the spaces or the offer to customers that they understand how it works. There are other aspects or levers you can use to increase your income, by the way. It doesn't necessarily have to be just these little lists or this list of specific items. It could be just tweaking something. A small example would be um, differentiating between 9 to 5 access and 24-hour access. So particular customers could get access to certain areas on a limited basis, so 9 to 5, 5 days a week. This would allow those with a lesser budget to access your property or your services on a slightly more limited basis. But if you provide 24-hour access to those that feel they need it, then you might be able to differentiate on the price point on that. So it's not another income stream, but it's just another way of looking at the offer that you have and how to, I guess, maximise your income. So as I mentioned, we've benefited from over 20 of these different income streams over the years. Some have changed with times and morphed into other opportunities. Some have gone by the wayside because customer demands have changed or technology's changed. And there's certainly more on the horizon. You just have to think about trends and try to anticipate what your customers might require in the future. So let's just quickly recap the 10 and then I'll give you that bonus income stream that we discovered. So the first one was, of course, the rental income. The second was meeting rooms. Maybe not just vanilla meeting rooms, but that's okay. Internet provision was the third one. The fourth one was the telephone lines and the call provision. The fifth one was mailing addresses or virtual offices. The sixth was internal individual storage units or perhaps lockers. The seventh one was around the green stuff, so solar panel income or power generation on site. It might be that you swap out your boilers and use biomass boilers. Cafe space. Is there a food and beverage offering? Is it through concession, letting, joint venture? You do it all yourself, your choice. Just remember the ramifications for the day-to-day business. The ninth one was business lounge memberships based around getting an income stream out of an area that's already there. It might be a breakout space and creating different types of memberships for it. For those that have tighter budgets, day passes, all that sort of lovely stuff. Again, different from co-working. Co-working really... Yes, it's another income stream, but I've kind of put it in rental income, really, because it's using a particular space for that. And then the last one on the list was venue space for events. I'm just trying to think out of the box of what people are looking for now as the world of work is changing. Now, what about that bonus income stream? Well, it really is simple and it's a great income source with virtually no input from yourself once it's been set up. So years ago... We managed to find, I I reached out to this company and they do external lockable storage units and they're for engineers or delivery companies such as Amazon. So with our particular example, we have a whole set of external lockable storage lockers that are used for delivery drivers to put in supplies for engineers to pick up first thing in the morning. So actually when they come for those items, they come at, I guess they get delivered in the middle of the night and the engineers come and collect them between sort of six and eight in the morning. So we don't actually even see them. Now there's one company that has 
taken the space for those lockable storage units and pay us monthly. So that might be like Amazon paying you monthly for a wall, effectively, on the outside of your building. And so you're not having to deal with the individual people that are using those different lockers. So once installed, you don't really have to do anything else. It sits outside of your property. Some will need a power source, others don't. But you just need to have a wee think about access times, when people are going to need to get in. As I say, with the engineer on for us, it doesn't interrupt our day to day. You have to think about the location, how's it going to affect transport. But that income stream has literally generated us thousands and thousands over the years. And once it was installed, we've never had to do anything else for it. Great bonus income stream. Now, here's an interesting stat for you. We found the additional income stream income, so from all these different things, can be up to 15% of the annual turnover of a property. Now, of course, that will vary. But as an example, if you have a building producing 100K in rent annually, it should produce 15 grand additional income. As I say, take that with a pinch of salt, but it certainly helps towards paying for a member of staff. For some of you who've been thinking, well, I'd like to bring somebody in to manage my property so I don't have to keep going in, but it's going to cost lots of money and going to take away all my profit. Well, actually, that individual can add value both to your customer experience, but also allowing you to add additional income sources that weren't possible without having somebody on site. Now, I did miss out the other 10 income streams we benefit from over the years, but I have to hold some back, right? If you want to learn more about how to find, develop and fill commercial properties, plus maximise your income streams, then check out our new monthly membership programme for serious investors. Details of how to apply for our commercial inner circle membership programme are in the show notes. So that's it for this week. There are some great interviews coming up, including a couple for the co-working mini-series. Make sure you subscribe now to ensure you don't miss out. This has been Jerry Alexander. All the very best and speak to you next time on the Commercial Property Investor Podcast.